With gratitude, we would like to acknowledge that Foundry Ridge Meadows is on the unceded, ancestral, traditional, and territorial land of the Keitsi and Kwantlen people. All right, hello, welcome to everybody to another episode of Peers on a Pod. Today I am joined by two counselors at the Foundry Ridge Meadows. Uh, so, Danielle. Hello, welcome. Hi, thanks. I've been working here as uh, staff counselor for a couple years, and I love it. So thanks for having me on. Awesome, thank you. And Emily, hello. Hello. I've never done a podcast, so hopefully that doesn't come across, but I'm also one of the counselors here, and I started as a student, and I guess they liked me enough and hired me on. So I've been here since February, and I also love it. Awesome. Yeah, so maybe people will pick up on your like body language through through the voice only, and they'll be like, "Ooh, I know Emily's nervous." Um, yeah, it's all good. Um, so we have a couple interesting talking points just to uh, go over a little bit what counseling looks like at the Foundry, um, and you know how how it's accessed. Maybe some useful tidbits for people, uh, you know, almost like little life hacks to how to uh, make counseling. Get the, get the most out of it uh, for your purposes and, and what you're seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we'll go over a little bit about um, how to access the counseling, a little bit of details about it when you're coming into the foundry. Yeah, so we operate on a walk-in model. So we have services Tuesday through Thursday, 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, people can call the day of and make an appointment. And whoever is here, they'll assign a counselor. And um, so that's how we that's how we run things. We usually suggest that people come once a week, if and not not a lot more than that, because we do have a lot of people coming um, and needing appointments. So um, it just allows a chance for everybody to get in. So that's that's the model that we work under in terms of um, helpful tips. Like a lot of people come and don't really have never really done counseling and they, they're not sure how to do it. So I always just say, you know, it's it's time for you. This hour is for you and about you, and it's up to you what you want to talk about. Um, so we can ask questions for sure, but um, if you have something that you want to work on or you need help with, uh, then that's, you know, mention to us what it is, and, and we can hopefully help you through that. I think when we think of counseling, we think of, you know, a... Uh an old man sitting on a chair and the client laying down on a couch and you're in a room and it's very serious. And I think I can speak for both Danielle and I when I say that we're fairly adaptive. I'm not a super serious person. Danielle's not really a super serious person. If you want to modify and adapt, we can completely go with the flow. I'll take clients out for walks and do sessions like that. I've kicked a soccer ball around in session. I will color, we can sit on the floor, or we can just sit and do it in a more traditional sense. So if there's anything you need or want to do an activity, we can certainly do that to make it a more comfortable environment. And I think something that that came to my mind uh, as you guys were talking about this that might be useful for people um, is, you know, maybe they've seen their doctor or a school counselor and they recommend that they come into the foundry. It happens quite a lot. Um, Or, and, and sometimes there's like these 
I almost think of them as like buzzwords. Obviously, they mean something when I'm talking about CBT, DBT, SFBT, you know, all these different... Mindfulness. Yeah, all these different (laughs) modalities of like therapy and counseling and stuff like that. But maybe it would um, help people who might be listening, uh, you know, to just go over maybe the types of counseling or, or what it might look like, you know, if we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. What, what what can people access if they're looking for something that has been recommended that might work well for them? What can they actually get out of a counseling session here at Foundry? I think most of us uh, use a variety of modalities. I was brought on because I do have a fair amount of experience with CBT, which stands for Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, as you mentioned. Um, so basically, that's considered the gold standard of therapy for specifically for anxiety and depression. And what it does is it looks at your thoughts and your feelings and your actions, basically how how the three are related. And um, it's a lot about restructuring our thoughts. We can't change our feelings, and it's really important to acknowledge that everybody's feelings are valid. But we can change our actions, but in order to do that, we need to change our thoughts first. That is actually a lot harder than it sounds, um, because all of us have specific patterns in the way that we think. And um, it's very hard to change those because you've been doing it all your life without even knowing it. So that's kind of how CBT works. Um, DBT, that's dialectical behavioral therapy. um, And it has components of CBT and also has like additional pieces are like relationship skills Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Would you say, is there anything else I'm kind of missing? I think mindfulness is a big piece of it. They use somatic therapies to work on tolerance and your kind of ability or capacity to withstand uncomfortable emotions is a big component of it, I'd say. Yeah. Um, And then there's other types of of modalities that that people use. I know Emily does some um, inner child work. I love inner child work. Yes, I know you do. Um, so for somebody that has no idea, explain that. What's, yeah. what's inner child work about? So I, I want to preface it by saying I don't use it with all of my clients. It yeah. kind of depends on the person and their needs. But inner child work is a trauma-based therapy, and it connects you back to a time in your childhood, typically where you've experienced trauma. And you access that part from your current state. So it's almost like you're kind of parenting yourself or comforting your younger self. So let's say, you know, something happened when you're five and now you're 21. Your 21-year-old self can kind of go back to that place, comfort, validate, support that part of you. And I think we all have an inner child. We all walk around. We all have these insecurities or these things kind of coming up. But if we can recognize that we're in a different place and support that part of us that was in a less ideal place, sometimes that can help us move forward or process trauma. Very cool. I'm going to be really focused on my own behaviors when I go back and see my mom. I'm like, is this an inner child (laughs) coming out right now? Am I regressing? (laughs) Yeah. Um, In terms of other things, um, so DBT we offer, um, well... We don't know when the next one is going to be, but we typically, or in the past, have had a group. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have a scheduled group right now, but it is something that we're hoping to offer in the future. Um, but if it's something that you want to work on, you can do that individually with with a counselor. You just let them know what you want. There's some actually really great workbooks out there 
Um, and so sometimes people bring in a workbook and say, you know, I want to go through this, but I need some help. And so we can support them in that. Um, we have a lot of groups that we offer. For example, we have an art therapy student who's working with us right now. And she is running a number of different groups. Um, so the one coming up is a trauma group. Uh, and so, of course, she uses art. And it's just kind of kind of processing your trauma to a level where you feel comfortable going to counseling and discussing it. We offer other types of groups. Um, we're finishing up Why Mind right now, which is basically it's mindfulness skills and ACT therapy, which is um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Uh, we also do family therapy. Uh, so that's, that's something that has come up a lot more lately. We have people coming in either with their partner or with their parents and wanting to talk to someone, and that's absolutely something that we can do. I think that that's certainly something that comes up, I, th I would feel like, a lot in the foundry service, almost extreme, I guess, is, is a way to put it. Like, the families are a big part of it. Like, there's caregiver support. Yes. You know, I've done a whole episode with Charlene uh, around caregiver support and what it's like to be a parent for a young person who's struggling with their mental health, right? And I mean, sometimes it can have implications on the caregiver themselves. Absolutely. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's a big push, I would say, for all the services at Foundry to make sure that families are connected and that families feel supported as well as the young person who initially comes in to receive services, right? Because yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. that home life that you're going to have is a big impactor into the rest of your, your mental health and your life as a whole. Mm -hmm. That's one of the great things about if you're willing to do something like family therapy when you're, when you're younger. A lot of people think, oh my goodness, I would never do that. And it is a little scary at first, but it can be really helpful just because you do go back to that environment with those people. And so if everybody's kind of more on the same page, it can really help. But also just to kind of like let people know, obviously confidentiality is a big piece of what we do. And um, so anything that a, that a client tells us, you know, one-on-one -on -one is is between us uh, with a couple of exceptions which is all explained to you when you when you come to counseling for the first time parents can still talk to us and we don't need to relay what the child has said so it's just a chance for parents to give their own feedback their own experience so I mean I have some families where I'll meet separately with with the youth and then with the parents and then I'll meet with them together so it just kind of depends on the situation in the family but it's just important for everyone to know, like, we will keep your information confidential. You don't have to worry about us calling your parents and being like, oh, my goodness, do you know what your kid said? Like, that's not how we operate. Yeah. So. Which I think is what a lot of people are scared of when they when yes. you bring up family counseling is like, this is going to make things worse. Yes. Right. And that it's going to strain the relationship I have with my parents or they're going to think that they're terrible parents or or something like that is going to come out of it. Right. But I mean. I think it's just difficult for a lot of people, especially when they're coming in for family counseling, because so much is being left unsaid yeah. or, or something like that. And I think it's just a change to consider having everybody be on the same page, right? And it's it's yeah. a scary thought to be like, okay, well, I'm actually going to be open and people are going to understand and I'm going to have to try and understand what other people's perspectives are, right? Yeah. I like to highlight to families that I think you know, all families, I think, could use some sort of counseling. Yeah. I think families are kind of a weird idea if you think about it. It's a group of people, all diverse, all different ages, different genders, different personalities. And, you know, of course, there's some shared things with genetics and some environment stuff, but there's lots of diversity within families. And it's strange to think that they're all together in one household and just supposed to get along all the time. Well, that's not always going to happen. So I think I always commend families who come in because it's uncomfortable for sure, but a good thing to work on. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I guess jumping off from that point, I'd be curious um, what you both thought about any trends that are happening within our community. Like you kind of mentioned a little bit before, Daniel, that's family counseling is something that has started to happen more so. Kind of along those lines of of things that you're noticing coming through the foundry doors a little bit uh, more often as of late. Yeah, definitely think families and couples for sure has been a bigger thing. And we see, you know, young adult couples coming in, but we've also seen more couples who are in their teens or even their young teens coming in and you know, I, I never think it's a bad idea to work on communication skills and work on your relationship skills. So I think it's a positive thing that we're seeing people coming in. I think just with the pandemic and COVID and the state of the world with uh, some areas right now, we are just seeing an increase in different mental illnesses, anxiety, depression. And we're also seeing a strain on the mental health system. So child and youth mental health, adult mental health, and some of the other services are quite full right now. So we do see kind of an increase in the amount of people that we're getting. So, and you know, that's a good thing. If you can access us and there's availability, then we really encourage you to come in. But I think just being aware that there are long wait times and that, you know, if you want to see a psychiatrist, sometimes it is a long, a long time to wait for that. Um, so I just think the mental health system in general is just, there's a bit of a strain on it right now. I think that's what's so great about the walk-in model mm-hmm. is that um, everybody kind of gets a chance to come in and access it. Uh, so there's not really a wait here. Like sometimes very rarely is there a time when somebody comes and doesn't get to see anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's not a counselor available, they'll either do a quick session with a counselor just to get started, or maybe there's, they'll see a peer support worker. Um, so there's lots of different options uh, for when people come in. Uh, another trend that, we, that we've seen um, in, increase in is we work with a number of people who are part of, who belong to the LGBTQ2 uh, movement. So, um, lots of people who are dealing with kind of like how to deal with that in school and and whatnot so that's something that we see a lot of um we had we had and she will hopefully be returning at some point a great nurse who was also doing uh trans care uh which was amazing so we do have we saw an increase in that as well drug use is something we also work with um so there are people who are coming in dealing with you know both mental health issues and Uh, struggling with drug use and we can assist but we also you know have a number of different community partners that we can refer people to Um, and that's one of the things that Foundry does is just making sure that people have the resources they need and referring people as much as possible to make sure that they have a really good support team for whatever they're dealing with. I think resource connection is a big one. I've had a lot of people coming in wanting you know ADHD assessments or autism assessments or different diagnoses and that's not something that we do personally that would be a psychiatrist or for some of that you can go to your doctor but it's definitely something we can kind of talk to you about and work through it and see kind of where a diagnosis would fit for you and then try to help you kind of navigate the mental health system to receive the supports that you need yeah because i mean it it really is like a a very difficult sometimes a system to navigate for the person who's seeking supports and especially considering that they're going to be going through their own different barriers because they're trying to seek supports like it's just such a difficult system sometimes to navigate which is i think one of the the really key defining points of 
of the foundry models, you know, like you mentioned before, Danielle, if the thing that you're asking for isn't available or you are not really sure what to even ask for, like coming in and just saying that you need support, you're not quite sure what that looks like is still a great place to start. Cause that's a big part of what we do is, is kind of help people define and, and look for the supports that are going to fit for them. Right. Even if that's not something we provide here, that is something that we can help you get connected with here. Yeah, and we don't necessarily have all the answers. Um, by no means do we proclaim to be experts. In fact, I often yeah. tell people I am not an expert. <laughs> um, but we will take the time to find the answers, whatever yeah. that looks like. We can talk to our team members. We can talk to other people in the community, and, and we'll make sure that we'll get what you're looking for. A lot of the times I'll hear when people talk to me about their first counseling experience, and they say that they hate it yeah. uh, because their counselor was... Uh, you know, this or that, like I, I, like somebody will be like, um, you know, they were, my counselor is so self-centered. I felt like they were talking about themselves the whole time or relating Mm -hmm. things to themselves or, uh, and I think that goes along with just meshing well with another person, right? Like even take out for a second that there's counseling involved, but like Mm -hmm. how you mesh with another human being and communicate and talk with them, uh, about anything in your life, I think can sometimes bring up some strains and you realize, oh, maybe that's not the person I want to be talking to about Mm -hmm. this. So maybe just some tips or support or reassurance for people that like, it's okay if you don't get along with the counselor that you saw, because there's another counselor that you can try. Right. And it really is about, you know, trying on some different hats. What, what fits for you? What kind of personality are you able to open up to and make some progress with? Mm-hmm. I like to really highlight that piece. I usually do that when I'm seeing people for the first time. I, you know, I I make a bit of a joke about it. I just say, you know, if you walk away today and you're like, oh, Emily was a weirdo. I didn't really connect with her. There are other counselors and it is really important that you vibe with your counselor because this is a person that you're opening up to and that you want to have some sort of connection with because that's therapeutic. So I know for myself, when I was looking for my own counselor, I met a few and there are some I really didn't like and then I have I met the counselor that I currently use and and we mesh really well and I think it's really important and it makes a huge difference. I think because we're walking sometimes it's a bit of the luck of the draw. You can kind of, you know, have the possibility of getting anyone, but you are able to request certain people and we do try our best to accommodate that. There might just be a bit more of a wait or maybe coming in on specific days that that person's more available. But I do I do completely understand that one and really do encourage you to find someone that you do connect with. Yeah, it's really important that you feel comfortable talking to the person that you do. We recommend that you give it a couple couple tries with with one person before you decide Um, because everybody has bad days and and so maybe there was just something that uh, was misconstrued Mm -hmm. sometimes there's like a miscommunication that happens Um, so you don't want to bank it kind of all on that but yeah I mean if you see someone and you're like that person wasn't really like I don't really feel awesome opening up to them then for sure there's a there's a chance to try somebody else and you can say you can even just say, if you don't remember the counselor's name, like, oh, I saw, I'm not sure who I saw last time, but I, w- I would like to see someone different. And we do have all of that in our system, so people are able to do that. So that's one of the things with the walk-in model, too, is people get to try other counselors. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you kind of get to know everyone, like Emily said, you can request and we'll do our best to accommodate. There's just no guarantee. Um, and some counselors have more sh- 
specific clientele that they work with and others. Yeah, and you know, I think there's there's a, a lot of um, a lot of benefit from that walk-in model where you might see somebody different, right? Because I mean, mm-hmm. we're all different human beings. We have our own stories and, and, and stuff. So you'll really get different perspectives if yeah. you see different people, even when it might con- like concern the same issue that you were coming in the first place, right? And having those different perspectives can sometimes you know help you figure out your own stance on stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the great thing about the way that. Foundry works is that um, every counselor, you know, has access to files and we keep notes, just general notes on, on kind of what people are talking about. So if you see someone different, you don't have to start over because um, a lot of people are like, I don't want to tell my story again and give all the details. And that is frustrating when you have to do that. So when you come here, even if you see a different counselor, you don't have to do that. And I think right now we have on top of Daniel and I as the staff counselors, we have three students. Yep. And so you have some options. It's not just one or two of us. You could come in and see any of the five of us. And four even, because we've got Kristen as well. True, yeah. Then we have our therapist, Kristen, as well. And our students rotate through about every nine months. And so, you know, if you're finding it hard to connect with someone in the group, there's going to be a new group within, you know, a certain amount of time. So it does filter through. And then something that stood out for me when, when you're talking, Emily, is when you're speaking about your own counselor and stuff like that. And I think that maybe is is something that people who are coming in to receive services don't often sometimes consider is that, you know, and like you said, Daniel, we're, we're all just human. We have mm-hmm. our own support needs as well, right? Like sometimes we see counselors or therapists or, you know, we could be on medications for our antidepression or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your service provider also usually has services i would say more often than not your support person has a support themselves yeah um so i think it could be useful for people to know kind of what you do for self-care and that can include senior counselor can include uh body movement exercises or or something like that kind of whatever your own unique spin on self-care for you right because it is so highly personalized and individual yeah, I think, I think Emily brought up a really good point is a lot of times, you know, if you mentioned something about having a counselor, it's like, what, my counselor has a counselor? That can't be good. Like, what, what is Why am I coming on? to this person if they need a counselor? <laughs> but it's actually recommended to, at least it was in my program, to mm-hmm. all students that if you have not experienced counseling, you need to go through it for a couple of reasons. One, we all have stuff we need to work on. And two, you can't sit down in front of someone and expect them to do things that you're not willing to do yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if I didn't know that counseling could work, if I hadn't seen it work in my own life and, and other people's lives, I wouldn't be doing this work because I would have no hope that it would work, right? So um, I think that that's a really good point that Emily brought up is to know that we do, and we actually have a supervisor in-house here who's a very experienced counselor who meets with all of us um, individually and in groups to discuss various things um, and kind of just help us and give us guidance around our, our clientele. So that's also really helpful. We have a lot of people that we can turn to with lots of different ideas and everyone has had different experiences. And so that's another really great thing. But Emily has some really good ideas on self-care. Um, <laughs> Emily's big on self-care and has a lot of things that she does. That is true. I'm big on self-care. And I think I think that's part of me just really wanting to make sure I have boundaries between my work life and my personal life. And I, I think it is really important to have both of those things. 
So for me, I do like to be quite active. I find it it is really good for my mental health. It's how I connect to people. It's how I connect to the world. So I, I get made fun of because I always bring up my boot camp. I love going to boot camp. Uh, I do orange theory. I do soccer. I do softball. I just, if I can be moving, I find that it just puts me in a better headspace. I'm also a bit of a cat lady, so I find animals are very therapeutic and I like spending time with my cats. Something I've been realizing over the last few years is, you know, self-care isn't just sitting down and, and doing nothing or watching TV. And maybe that is for you. And I know for me, if I have a long day, that's sometimes what I like to do. But sometimes the self-care thing isn't always the first thing that you want to do, but it's the thing that actually, once you do it, you feel kind of differently. So if I'm at home in the morning, because I start later, I'll find like, I'll be questioning, oh, should I go out and do something or should I just watch TV? And sometimes I do one, sometimes I do the other, and that's fine. But I find that when I kind of push myself out of my comfort zone or out of that kind of brain fog that we sometimes get in, that I feel better after. And my mental health feels better after too. So if anyone wants to come to boot camp. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Emily Emily's hoping to do a movement group. I am. Um, which will be awesome, especially in this weather, hopefully, if we get some more good weather. Yes. It'll be good. But there's lots of uh, there's lots of ways to do self-care for people who don't want to be active, more mm-hmm. like myself. <laughs> so how I guess that that's a good point, right? Because it's almost like your own journey of finding what, what self-care strategies work for you is that yeah. something that I guess is there any sort of um, tips or anything like that for for really acknowledging what strategies for self-care are working for you and kind of how to develop them in a way that gets you to where you want to be I mean counselors and peer support workers can even help give you strategies for that mm-hmm. um, so seeing someone here is is a really good option um, but there's lots of things and some of them some of them are kind of more obvious than others like most of us find it helpful to hang out with our friends and kind of like have people that we can kind of chill out with and and talk to about whatever's going on in life um but there's also stuff that you can do on your own like some people like to take baths um and that's a really big thing some people prefer showers (laughs) there's just lots of different ways to do it and sometimes distraction like emily said like watching tv and stuff is a really good option being active is great for people, um, regardless of how active they want to be. Um, just going for a walk is huge. Um, I mean, I have a dog, and my dog gets me out of the house probably far more than I would if I didn't have my dog. So that's actually something that's been really helpful for my mental health. Um, even though she's not a fast walker, um, she's kind of slow. She's got some bad legs now. Um, she still gets me out of the house, and I still have to take her out so she can do her, you know, do her stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's animals are great as well, like Emily said. I think just being open and honest with yourself. I think sometimes we see this glamorized view of self-care online of, you know, having a luxurious bubble bath. And some people do enjoy that. I know for myself, I try to do that and I get bored within a few minutes and it's not my thing. So I think it doesn't always have to be aesthetic. It doesn't always have to be the trendy thing. And I think just having an open mindset about it, try things out, see how it goes, reflect on it after. If you're thinking, wow, I was checked out for that whole time, then maybe that's not your self-care thing. 
or if it's something that maybe isn't deemed the coolest by your social group, but you found that you were really calm or really engaged or really uplifted, well, then that's something that could be a good fit for you. So explore a little bit within that. Okay, I think one of the last things that I was curious about are the types of support or situations, or maybe it's like, you know, we talked earlier about modalities and stuff like that that you're familiar with, but really just if there's something that you feel particularly well-equipped to to help support people with when they're coming in. So if somebody is really anxious around like a certain scenario or something like that, and, you know, specific or, or not, just things that you feel you, you are like, yes, I can, I can certainly feel ready to help support this person who's coming with this. I think there's a lot of uh, different issues that we see, kind of like we discussed earlier, just about the trends and the different things that we see people come in for. And like you mentioned before, all the different modalities that we use. Um, I think Emily had mentioned it earlier that especially with the pandemic, we, we've seen an increase in people in general, but also um, anxiety and depression are huge right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the anxiety has has even caused people to the point where because we were in isolation for so long, they're now uncomfortable, you know, leaving their house or something like that. Um, and so those are things that we that we do deal with. We still do some online counseling. I mean, at least in my own experience, it's much better if you do it in person. You just kind of get a better feel for the person you're talking to and communication is 90% body language or something like that. So uh, it's not just the words that you're saying. Um, So anxiety, depression is a huge one um, that we deal with. I can definitely say I have a lot of experience with just from uh, my past experiences prior to even being at at Foundry. I think for me, I really like to work with the somatic lens, I think, where a lot of people are disconnected from their bodies. So I think I really like to start there. I like to do grounding exercises. I like to kind of find out where people hold anxiety in their body and kind of work with that. And I think that plays in really well with anxiety and depression. I think just because we are seeing an increase, I think that's a lot of counselors' wheelhouses because that's just a common thing. I think with my past experience working with people who are feeling maybe suicidal or are engaging in self-harming behaviors, I think those are things that I can work with. That's another thing we see a lot of. Yeah, uh, working with people with OCD or OCD-like traits is another thing that I work with a lot and feel pretty comfortable working with. I also really like attachment theory, which is just a theory that looks at kind of how you connected with your caregivers growing up and maybe the different styles that you have and how that impacts how you connect with your parents now or Mm -hmm. even how you connect with your peers or the world around you. So I really like working from that lens. Another great, uh, great Therapy, when it, especially when it comes to working with families, is emotion-focused therapy, um, which is just what it sounds, focusing on emotions. Um, and so that's something that uh, tends to work really well. And the cool thing about uh, Foundry is that we do a lot of training around different types. So um, Emily's soon going to be going through the EFT, um, which is emotion-focused, for the first time. And I've done it. I've done it twice now. Um, so it's really awesome to just kind of get a feel for, for different things and all of those things, like everybody's different, but some of them apply better to certain situations. Um, emotion focused therapy can also be really good with trauma. 
but like Emily was saying, somatic stuff. So focusing on where where you're really carrying things in your body. Um, there is very much a body-mind connection. Uh, and so it's important to look at that because sometimes, even if you're not ready to deal with the actual trauma or something that's going on, you can at least deal with what's happening in your body and start to get some symptom relief. Yeah, because I mean, a lot of people will, will come in, they're so anxious that they're maybe throwing up in the morning or something like yeah. that, or unable to sleep at night, which affects pretty much every other aspect of your life, your sleep is kind of out of whack. Yeah. Right. So it's it's hard to work on yourself and start seeing changes mentally when physically you're feeling taxed every day by yeah. the different things about your mental health. Right. So I think that's, that's an important place to kind of like start whenever you're trying to tackle some some of your mental health challenges. Right. Like it's it's important to prepare the other aspects of your life for what is, you know, sometimes a pretty difficult or, or long journey, right, of, of really changing. You know, what we're talking about is changing a lot of the different thoughts that you have, which is a difficult thing to do, yeah. right? It takes time. It takes a lot of effort. And I think that's something that, you know, as, as we're kind of closing down here that I've I've noticed a lot when people are, are coming in is it's very difficult, I think, to come to terms with the fact that, you're coming in for counseling and or peer support or services, whatever it looks like. And people are here to support you, but people here are not going to change you. Yeah. This is not somewhere where you're going to, and you're going to see your counselor and you're going to feel fixed afterwards, right? Yeah. Like this is a place where you're going to get support and awesome techniques and strategies and ideas about how you can take this into the rest of your life, which is where it really starts to change. Mm-hmm. I really see my job as, as, planting seeds is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I might say something to a client that they don't find particularly helpful <laughs> and that's okay. Not everything I say is going to be helpful, but maybe that's something that clicks for them down the road. Um, so sometimes we don't always get to see kind of how things affect. So I think that that's one thing that that takes place that I, I do talk a lot to clients about like, hey, you're not going to feel better right away. And honestly, depending on what you're coming to talk about, sometimes it's going to be, it's going to get worse before it gets better. There's a lot of different ways of dealing, like you mentioned medication, and there's a whole bunch of different ways to deal with, with mental health issues. And sometimes you do need a whole team approach. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how, that's how we can help. The one other thing that I wanted to say is, you know, a lot of people feel uncomfortable coming to counseling for a variety of reasons. And we get that especially since most of us have gone through counseling. So we know that feeling of going to see someone that you don't know and you're just supposed to open up. One thing that we want people to know is like you can feel comfortable bringing someone. So um, if you want your mom or your dad to come in with you, sister, like that's totally fine. If you if you have friends that are all like kind of dealing with a similar issue and you kind of want tips on how to deal with it, we'll see groups of you. Like that's not a problem. Mm-hmm. So I just want to kind of reiterate to people bring them like if they're willing to come with you bring them along and you can you can come into the session with them and if we then start working with the person and we feel at some point like maybe it would be beneficial to have a conversation with them without somebody in the room we can suggest that but you're not forced to do anything it's up to you so that's really important as another way to for people to feel comfortable in accessing services well thank you so much is there any other closing I feel like I'm so used to using non-verbal <laughs> language that it's almost weird to yeah. express myself verbally. No, I just think, you know, the Foundry is really great service and obviously I'm a bit biased because I work here, but yeah. I think it's hard to come by places where you can come get counseling for free and have, you know, a variety of other services and supports and 
you know, we're always open to feedback and kind of suggestions, but I think that we do, we do try to be supportive and open to what the community needs. So we hope that you kind of reach out and come on by if you need support and hope to see you soon. Yeah, I think like you said um, before, Connor, just uh, people feeling um, kind of having bad experiences in the past. <laughs> um, that happens a lot. Um, and and honestly, there's, there's kind of a different approach to working with younger people, I think. Um, and so a lot of times, like I know the first counselor that I ever saw, my parents found. And, uh, and so I saw, I saw him and after that I said, mm, yeah, I'm never going back ever. Thanks for that. But, um, nope, <laughs> I'm good. Uh, luckily I changed my mind and I did, I did try it again in the future and found someone that I was really comfortable with. Um, so if you had a bad experience, you know, you had somebody who perhaps your parent found and like everything was relayed <laughs> to your parent and you're nervous that that could happen again. Um, things are things are a little bit different. We're used to working with youth and young people and their families. So come in if you're and you have any concerns, please share that with us, and and we'll do what we can to kind of put you at ease. Awesome. Well, thank you both for for coming in, speaking a little bit about what the counseling is like, and a little bit of your you know your own personal um, mental health takes and, and your own supports for yourselves. It's useful, I think, for everybody just to kind of be on the same playing field as well as yeah. like you know we all need support sometimes even the people who offer support right? absolutely mm -hmm. thanks so much for having us connor yeah, thank you all right so thank you everybody for listening and you know, we'll see you next time on Pearson the pod bye, bye.